Hey, everybody. Diane Kennedy here. And I've got my girls with me today. Wait, hey, everybody. <laughs> we'll be right back with you. We're going to be talking today about the Supreme Court decision that has rocked the news cycles this week. The Fulton versus City of Philadelphia adoption case and there's a lot to this to unpack today we've got family attorney connie regularly with us and she's going to be giving us the 411 so we'll be right back Hey guys, okay, Connie, I'm a little concerned because we all thought this was a big win this week, right? We all thought that this is good stuff for, for Christians. We're seeing like a turn in the tide maybe in the Supreme Court. So don't bring me down. Like don't bust my bubble on this. <laughs> but we want to know the truth. Like we need to know all the ins and outs. So I'm going to give you the floor today. I've got my friend Jan Onstott with us too. And also Lisa Biles is here. You guys know them from the show before. Janza, Mary Kay, she is like the epitome of Mary Kay. <laughs> okay, executive director there has won all the pink Cadillac. She's, but she's just a great conservative woman of God. Lisa Biles is uh, also a fantastic woman of God and a financial planner here in Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, Connie Regulli is a family attorney. So Connie, we're going to give you the floor and then we'll just weigh in with reaction here. But Give us the 411. Tell us oh, what's thank up. You. And thanks, yeah. Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, so I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I'm not sure if it's me or. Yeah, I think it is. If you, yeah, if you hit your, um, if you go to that little, sorry, guys, <laughs> you go to your little setting screen, you can hit that echo cancellation box under your audio and that should take oh, care of okay. it. Okay. I'm so sorry. I didn't hear that while we, I've, echo cancellation is checked. So maybe okay. it was just a little fluke there. Okay, right. so uh, uh, just for everybody, I've been on, I think, with you before, but I am Connie Regulli. I'm an attorney in Middle Tennessee, and I'm also very, very interested in constitutional issues, particularly how they affect family, which so it's not just parental rights, it's often um, freedom of medical choices, it's uh, religious uh, uh, exemptions, etc. So, so many things have been cooking and happening. I'm also uh, just very interested in constitutional law from the aspects of uh, how juveniles are treated in the system, etc. So, I'm always watching the news. I'm very politically active. So, I saw a pop up on the radar yesterday that this opinion had come out from the uh, United States Supreme Court. And it is the Fulton v. City of Philadelphia case. And everybody about a year ago, I think this was kind of in the news about a year ago, where Catholic charities had said that they would not approve same-sex couples as foster parents. And so everybody was watching, watching. I work with an attorney in town who does a lot of religious freedom uh, cases. He was watching it. I think they even talked to him about co-counseling it. And it didn't take long before we found out that they had lost. And so it goes to the Third Circuit Court, which is the Circuit Court of Appeals for Pennsylvania, and uh, Catholic Charities lost again. And so then it goes to the Supreme Court, and they just, they had the oral arguments back in November. Everybody's watching that. And then this popped up on the radar yesterday. So immediately I saw all these tweets and all these news headlines 
that Catholic Charities had won. I sent it to this attorney friend of mine. He's like, yeah, victory for religious freedom. And then I pulled it off because I want you to see this here. This is a 110 page. It's a small book here, right? A 110 page opinion. And so I printed it off and I started perusing it. And then I, my jaw kind of dropped because it's really not what we thought it was. And I think when at the end of the day, we're going to be a little bit disappointed by this because as I was explaining to you before the show, Diana, what this case really does is it gives any state actor. And when I say state actor, I mean anybody who works for a city, a state, a federal government, any of these bureaucracies who are controlling our day to day lives. It gives them the opportunity to craft things within their administrative rules that will take away any religious exemptions. So the Catholic Charities came in and they said, we don't want to endorse same sex couples because we feel like it endorses that lifestyle and that is against our religious tenets. And but they said they had never they if anybody contacted them or called them, they would refer them to somebody else. So there was not a single same sex couple that had actually been denied being a foster parent. They just could not do it through Catholic Charities. And also Catholic Charities would and this is kind of odd, but Catholic Charities would take single couple, single persons who were gay or lesbian. They did not object to those and they did place children in their foster homes who were gay or lesbian. So this case goes up to the Supreme Court and the main opinion is written by Justice Roberts. Now, some people who kind of follow a few things with the Supreme Court know that Justice Roberts, he is the Chief Justice. He was appointed by George Bush in 2005. He's people have been kind of conservatives have been sort of disappointed with him and some of his decisions. He's also the one that kind of held out on the big election case the the uh, Texas v. Pennsylvania. And he's like, no, we're not going to hear it. So he's although he was appointed by George Bush, although he's supposed to be a conservative, he's had a lot of crossed opinions about what he has done. It also in this case. So Justice Roberts opinion is about 15 pages long. Justice Alito, who is also a George Bush appointee and who's actually a much better constitutional attorney, he wrote an opinion that is 77 pages long. And although so when the Supreme Court writes an opinion, they they do. Um, so they do this kind of odd thing. So they they write an opinion that either affirms what happened in a lower court or they reverse what happened in a lower court. Okay? okay. But in addition to that, they analyze the case. Okay. So when you have the opinion of the majority, then you have other justices who may come on and they may say, we concur in the judgment, but we have, we want this other analysis to be considered. So that's what justice Alito did. <clears throat> All right. So let me tell you a little bit about the meat of this. Oh boy, we should brace ourselves. <laughs> and if you all just go like this, like that means, okay, so if you go like this, it means I want to say something. If you go like this, it means, okay, Connie, you like totally lost us on that one, okay? <laughs> or am I might just pass out of my I, I know if I've lost any of you, I've lost the audience. And this is really pretty important for our religious freedom with things that have been going on. Yeah. All right. So there is, there was a contract between Catholic Charities 
and the city of Philadelphia. That contract had a paragraph that read like this. Rejection of referral. Provider shall not reject a child or family, including but not limited to prospective foster or adoptive parents for services based on their sexual orientation unless an exception is granted by the commissioner or the commissioner's designee at their sole discretion. Oh my goodness. So you'll notice in there, there is a non-discriminatory clause, but with an exception, okay? And so that exception is that an exception could be granted by the commissioner at their sole discretion. That's the critical thing here. So as Justice Roberts started going through this case, he looked at the last precedent on religious freedom, okay? The last precedent in religious freedom was in 1990, all right? So this case in 1990 is a, uh, it's called the Employment Division Department of Human Resources of Oregon versus Smith. And it was written by Justice Scalia, who was also a conservative appointee of Ronald Reagan. However, when Justice Scalia wrote this opinion, he really chopped up religious freedom. And so he said, um, a, a generally applicable law, generally applicable, that's kind of the key word here, a generally applicable law satisfy the First Amendment if prohibiting the exercise of religion is not the object of the government action, but merely an incidental effect. Okay, that's okay, So you're gonna have to break that down for us laymans. <laughs> okay. So what he's saying is that you can apply a law that prohibits everybody from doing it. Okay, so if there is a certain, uh, as long as you apply it across the board, and the fact, just the mere fact that it could possibly infringe upon a religious freedom, it will, it's not going to infringe upon our First Amendment rights. Okay? okay? Okay. So it's under, but that the key term here is that it's generally applicable and that its effect on your religious freedom is merely incidental. Okay. Now I'm going to, um, I'll give you a kind of an example, and they bring this up later in the opinion. But let's uh, let's let's talk about the oath, okay? So you have to take an oath if you're going to testify. You have to take an oath if you're going to fill uh, certain offices. There are certain religions that do not want to swear, okay? They don't want to swear, and so that is an incidental effect of religious exercise. All right, so now the whole oath of office was already resolved before this opinion ever came out. So it's not gonna be under scrutiny, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. If it does not target the religion, then it passes constitutional muster. It also says any neutral law that is generally applied can survive even if it impinges religious freedom. And it says, 
laws that incidentally burden religion are ordinarily not subject to strict scrutiny under the free exercise clause, so long as they are neutral and generally applicable. Okay, now keep your little ears open because by the time I get to the end of this, I'm also going to be talking about COVID and closing churches. Okay, so we're going to come back to that. But these are the key words. And so what we had in, and so Robert said that the, so this contract clause that I read to you a little bit ago, which basically said they shall not um, reject a, a child or family for any sexual orientation unless an exception is granted. Okay, that was the key word. So Robert said that the inclusion of a formal system of uh, entirely discriminate, discretionary exceptions renders the contract non-discrimination requirement is not generally applicable. So basically, the bottom line is Robert said that because they put that exception in there to be determined by a third by the commission it's, uh, itself that it was not uh, it could not survive the free exercise clause of religious freedom. Whew. Okay, take a breath. Now think about okay. it. Reaction. Okay, so reaction to this, Lisa or Jan. That is a lot to unpack. I'm telling you that um, I appreciate Connie doing this because, yes. you know, we're thinking, yay, oh, wait, what? And um, not having a law background, the double speak that yeah. it seems like I'm hearing in there is um, troubling. <laughs> And yeah. just the loopholes. It seems like they're uh, carving out a path for a loophole there. Am I getting that right, Connie? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it says okay. as far as, as Robert's opinion. Now I'm going to go after y'all have any other questions of kind of what I just said. I'm going to talk about how Alito came back and said and wrote a 77 page opinion about what he thinks Roberts should have done. Okay. So Lisa, do you have any do you do you have any reactions so far? Anything about this that you need clarity on or no, I have I I'm I'm tracking I'm tracking. I'm good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've worked in the law field for years and years, so I'm that's yeah. good because not me and I am taking notes, Connie. <laughs> okay, good. 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 Okay. All right. So after Roberts wrote that opinion, this the next opinion was Alito. So Alito came in and he wrote this very, very long opinion because he went back and he tracked all of the religious freedom cases since for the last 150 years. OK, and he tracked how the constitutions were written. I mean, he even goes into the Northwest Ordinance and what they wrote in there and and then how the constitution of several states adopted a free exercise clause. So and then he talks about several cases. So, but what he does is he looks particularly at a case. So I talked to you about a case from 1990. So he goes back and he looks at the case prior to that, which was the leading case, which was 1963. So we have a difference of 37 years. So that case, which was called the Sherbert v. Verner case, again, was 1963. Believe it or not, it was also an employment, unemployment benefits case. And in that case, it was an Indian who smoked peyote. Now, don't ask me what peyote is. It's something like weed, I'm sure. It's something we need right now listening to this. <laughs> right. 
And actually, I think I studied that case in law school and I got so hung up on the word peyote that I think I meant, did not do well in that class. But anyway, this Indian had smoked pe peyote as a part of his religious exercise and he lost his job and he was denied unemployment benefits. And so he came in and that case, believe it or not, made it all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Wow. So under that case, though, it is the Sherbert case. So under that case, it says a substantial burden on the exercise of religion must be narrowly tailored to serve a compelling interest. Now, I will tell you just generally from a constitutional standard, that is generally the legal standard when you are looking at other constitutional rights as well. For instance, the Fourth Amendment is our right against uh, unlawful search and seizure. Okay, mm -hmm. so when you have a fundamental right, which are your rights that are defined under the Bill of Rights, and the state is going to infringe upon any of those rights, their burden is to narrowly tailor the law or the action to serve a compelling interest. That is just, that's generally what it is. There's not all of this flip-flopping, well, if there's an exception, if it's generally applicable, if it's neutral, if it doesn't target religion, those things are all, that, that is not what general constitutional law says at all. General constitutional law says that if you are going to put a substantial burden on a fundamental right, such as the exercise of religion, it has to be narrowly tailored to serve that interest. And then it goes back and it talks about a couple of other cases. There's a case called Yoder, which was an, the, an Amish case where they wanted to take their children out of school, out of public schools when they were 13, 14 years old. And just this was before everybody homeschooled, but they wanted to homeschool them and work in the fields. And at that time, there was compulsory education until 18 or 16 years old. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And they found that it was an infringement upon their religious practices to force them to do compulsory education yeah. because it was not narrowly tailored for the, the compelling state interest. Another one uh, was a case called Thomas, and it was a Jehovah's Witness person who I think it's, again, an unemployment benefits case. But because he was a Jehovah's Witness and he had a job where he was compelled to make weapons that they did not agree with and he he quit that job and then tried to get unemployment benefits but they said it was so offensive to his religious um uh, his religious exercise or exercise of his religious freedoms that they could not uh withhold his employment benefits so so he spends a lot of time talking about so what if we say uh so if you are now getting back comparing to what robert said Basically, um, and I'm going to just read this one. I've made myself, I reduced a 110 page opinion to three and a half, four and a half pages of notes. So, excuse <laughs> me, I look at my notes here. But even if a law prohibits conduct that constitutes an essential, essential religious practice, it cannot be said to prohibit free exercise of religion unless that was the lawmaker's specific object. God, Justice Alito says that this is a hair-splitting interpretation. So he says a law categorically banning all wine would prohibit the celebration of Catholic Mass, 
a law categorically forbidding the slaughter of a conscious animal would prohibit kosher slaughterhouses. A law categorically banning a head covering in a courtroom would uh, would prohibit uh, Orthodox Jewish men from entering the courtroom. So if you you can't say <clears throat> So he's saying these so categoric laws, which is basically what Roberts is saying. If it's if you just categorically do it and you don't and you're not targeting that religion that you can do it. So does that sound does that you, you follow me? Lisa? Yeah, we are. At least I'm going to bring you in because you said you have uh, you've got some you know, legal background and all of that. So what are you can you kind of boil this down for me that can you kind of give what she is saying to me, you know, and simplified terms because Connie and you're so brilliant at this and you know and we appreciate you know how carefully you're presenting this but like for for me and maybe some people watching Lisa what are you kind of making of this so far what I'm, I'm hearing her say just based on uh past precedents you know cases mm -hmm. who have gone that have gone to the supreme court thus far um not that someone's religious beliefs are um cannot they're they're not being see someone is allowed to adhere to their religious beliefs without being punished because individually because of those beliefs does that make sense um yeah that um and so far um what i'm hearing each of these incidences i think brings up a great point that they're not just Christian, right? Religion. So we're talking about religions as a whole, which I think is going to be a great point about about this discussion. Um, and so, um, but so when she's talking about like categorically speaking, um, <clears throat> I feel like let's see. I, this gets interesting to to, uh, to try to define here. Um, that someone is that. Oh dear. I'm so sorry. It's a lot of process. Yeah. Getting it and then trying to relay that is interesting. I'm sorry. I wasn't quite prepared for that. Yeah. Um, no, it's okay. I, and we can, you know, we can continue to boil it down. Like I said, I know that was a lot to intake there. And we're, I think that the average person, like what we're trying to do is just understand. Okay. So we, so we thought from all the news reports and everything that came out yesterday, we thought that Supreme court was upholding religious choice to not place children into um, same-sex households because it was against their religious beliefs and that the Supreme Court was on board with that. And, and in this case, we did win, right, Connie? I mean, that was a win as far as this particular case. But what I'm hearing you say too, and Jan, I want you to weigh in too, what you're hearing, but what I'm hearing is that now we kind of have this slippery slope a little bit of now because of the way that they are wording it, bringing in all of these generalities around it, all of these um, kind of exceptions to case law in the past that had set precedents that maybe now that's going to poke some holes in that religious mm -hmm. exemption. Well, and, here's, and here's the language that Justice Alito said. He said, this decision might as well be written on the dissolving paper sold in magic shops. Oh my gosh. Really? <laughs> that's what Justice Alito oh. said. Wow. Look at Jan's face. Is that on page 77? <laughs> no. That's on about page 12. But anyway, he says that if the city wants to get around today's decision, it can simply eliminate 
the never used exemption power, if it does, today's decision will vanish. Oh, oh my gosh. So, and basically what Justice Alito is saying is this was, this is what Alito is really saying. This was the opportunity of the Supreme Court to go back to the standard in Sherber from 1937, which the, is the appropriate constitutional standard. Mm -hmm. That's what Alito is saying, that this was the opportunity for this court to say that was a mistake. That was too narrowly drawn over a, a specific situation because this is what happens sometimes in constitutional law. And it's unfortunate because you've got to remember from a lawyer's perspective, by the time something gets to the Supreme Court, that's the law of the land. OK, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is the law of the land. So when it comes to abortion and and freedom, at, at educational freedom, etc. So. Alito's basically saying that was a mistake. And he also, he spends a lot of time talking about Scalia's decision in that case. And he even says it was not even like Scalia to write that opinion because Scalia was actually pretty good at just looking at the plain language. I mean, just look at, just read the first amendment, just read what it says. Mm -hmm. Just look at the plain language about the government shall not infringe. Yeah. So he said, this is uh, uh, Scalia really kind of um, took that one particular incident. And this is what they've got to be so careful of, of taking that one particular case and that one particular situation and crafting a precedent and a law around that particular situation, which then ultimately infringes upon a much broader uh, legal standard for protecting our rights. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Alito yeah. comes in and he goes, look, this was our chance. This was our chance. This is not going to work. I mean, all and I mean, he even says in here there were 2,500 pages of briefs that had to be read. There was all kinds of post-hearing filings, and he's kind of like, all this work we put into this, and this is what we end up with, right? Yeah. So wow. very, very disappointing because his opinion, like I said, 77 pages long, set goes back through the entire history, and Roberts picks on one little thing from the 1990 case, which is indeed the last precedent. And he picks on that one little nuance as far as the language of the contract between the city and the, this private company, Catholic Charities, a private contractor, and says that because of that one little phrase that actually was never used, that it's uh, then they're going to win. But all the city has to do is strike that clause and they can still require non-discrimination to a private organization. Wow. Really the bottom is really the end news of the day. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at things like, um, you know, like we had that case that came up years ago where it was a, I think it was a baker who, you know, was making a wedding cake and, it, you know, was, was being forced to make a wedding cake for a same sex couple. And, and I know we've talked a lot on this show about, you know, um, gay rights and that kind of thing. And, and I have gay friends and I'm, you know, this is not about judgment. It's just about where do those, where do those rights, where do we draw that line? Because the right to serve the right for those, for people that don't believe how we believe to be served on a non-discrimination clause versus the right of a business owner to be able to operate how they choose and who they choose to serve. You know, um, 
I mean, let's, what, what, are, what are you thinking on this, Lisa? I'm just going to bring you back in here for a second. Like, what are you, what are you feeling when you're hearing this, you know, from Connie? I feel like that we have to be careful because, you know, in the United States, we're, we are having more and more immigrants. We're having more and more religions pop up. So what do, I think that we should just take a, a step back, come up a little higher and feel like, okay, what, what, what is the language that you would like to see? What is the outcome that you would like to see? So if you were going to go into, like you wanted this particular dress, you, you so wanted this dress, it was only at this one store, but it was, but it was owned by Muslims. And you walked in and you, and, and they said, oh, you're a Christian. You don't dress like us. You don't talk like us. You don't believe like us. We're not selling you this dress. How would that make you feel? And what would you do about it? It's like, let's look at this from the other side. That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah. And, you know, would you simply just walk out and say, no big deal. I'll find another dress or no big deal. I'll find another home or whatever it is. No big deal. I'll find another car. Or do you want to sue these people because they're not going to serve you because of your religion? So I think I think that it's important to look at this from a different perspective of how is it that we would like to see these laws written so that if everyone gets is is allowed to have these religious freedoms, are you as a Christian okay with that? Or, or you know, I think everyone on the show today is a Christian, but like, how do how is it that we would love to see these laws written and and maybe look at the, maybe look at today's decision from a different angle, a different point of view, and and see how that might serve you know you or I or someone listening when when they want to do something or they uh, they want to purchase something, they want to buy a cake from 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 a different religious person and they won't be served what are the religious what are the laws that of our land that they would like to see have written i think it it really is a a lot of room for thought there yeah i think but here's here's the only thing i'll say on that jan and then i'd like to get your reaction too but we're talking about address and i and i totally understand what you're saying and i'm on i'm on board with that i'd really want to think through how those laws you know should look and all too i think we all should put some time and thought into that but when we're talking about address versus talking about the type of household children would be raised in you know two completely different are, are they first i guess i would pose the question is that a completely different thing to look at i mean we're talking about children like i personally believe that the that god's ideal for children is a household where we have a husband and a wife and you know they're raised in a in a home where each of those genders can can really bring about a well you know a, a, a balanced and and I, ideal adult you know i think that's god's ideal that's what i believe but um you know is it different jan i mean i i guess i would just pose that question to you here real quick and i know we're getting at the end of showtime here but yeah, i, I want to get I this mean, in yeah that is when you start i mean i was just gonna say i was at the uh Moms for Liberty um, presentation this week about the the curriculum that's being taught in the Williamson County Schools and how appalling it is. And like when you talk about our kids and our grandkids, it's like the mama bear claws come out. Yes. <laughs> you know? So yes. that does make a, a big difference there. But, you know, just to address Connie, um, so at the end of the day, am I to understand that it looks like Catholic Charities won. However, the door has been left open to uh, phrase this in a different way in the future and that uh, the city of Philadelphia, all they need to do is change their language so that Catholic Charities is not is not having a win at the end of the right. day. 
Could I, yeah, could I okay. just say something here? I don't think yes. that anything, I don't feel that anything that Connie has stated so far had nothing that she has said or has read from this opinion thus far, none of it has stated anything about the moral conviction of, of uh, you know, gay family. Like right now, mm -hmm. what she's talking about is religious freedom. Yes. That's why yeah, I'm yes. saying what I'm saying. It's yeah, all that's a good religious point. freedom, not a moral yeah. 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 That's okay. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things, just real quick. So I, I think yes, the Catholic charities were taking it from their moral and religious conviction. So I think that's the stance they were taken. I do want to talk about the cake case a little bit. That is discussed in this case. There's a little bit of a difference in that most of the opinion about the cake place had to do with public accommodation and which they talked, they tried to put the foster care under the public accommodation um, of, uh, bucket and they were unable to do so. But, but it's a little bit different when you have a, a, if you are something that's open to the public, then you have different kind of requirements that are put on you. So, oh, okay. uh, yes. Yeah. So at the end, I, you know, I will say it, you know, they did talk about in this case that if you are looking at this, you have to, and then how does that play into the COVID-19 restrictions? And it says to determine whether the COVID-19 rules provided neutral treatment for religious and secular conduct, it has been necessary to compare the restrictions on religious services to the restrictions on secular activities that present a comparable risk of spreading the virus and identifying the secular activities that should be used for comparison has been hotly contested. So they do spend uh, three or four pages going through several of the COVID-19 church cases. And, and most of those, in most of those cases, the church is one, by the way. Oh, good. That's yeah, good. there were about six or seven different cases oh. in different areas <laughs> of the country. And in most cases, the church is one because, it, and it goes through here and it talks about well, if you're going to open a gambling casino and you're going to open a hotel, you know, then you, sh then you cannot restrict, you are targeting churches. Yeah. So the whole targeting issue is still kind of out there and you have that opportunity. There's another case that talks about in here where Christian pharmacists would not provide the, I think it was the morning after abortion pill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they said that it did target, um, it was targeting Christian pharmacists. So you can find it, but it's much more difficult uh, and when you think about it, like they, like he said, and like Justice Roberts says, all the city of Philadelphia has to do is take out that one particular clause. They've never enforced it anyway, and they can still require non-discrimination. Now, I want to say as a family law attorney, I work a lot in child welfare reform, a lot in foster care reform. And there are generally I have concerns. <laughs> I, the number of children that are removed and the reasons why they're removed is pretty appalling. It's really a government overreach program that's going on. Mm. But when you take, let's just say you take an eight or nine year old child in a heterosexual family and there may be substance abuse in the family, but a lot of times there can be some remedies for that. 85% of the children removed are removed for neglect, not physical or sexual abuse. And so if you can remedy that family as opposed to taking that child out of that family and placing them with a gay or lesbian couple, I think that from a just a, a family dynamic consideration, and I've made complaints before, it's like you, you do, these children 
deserve a culturally uh, simulation, right? They deserve mm -hmm. to be in a place because the children didn't do anything wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to be in a family-like environment. So if you are changing their whole entire culture, and that has to do with religion too. If you take a child who's been going to church and you put them in a Muslim family, yeah. or you take a child that's never gone to church and they're forced to go to church uh, with Amish. I mean, it's just yeah. that, that cultural assimilation is so important for children who are put in that situation. So I'll just tell you in close, this is not a huge win for religious freedom. What it's done is not, it's not close the door, it's open the door for more religious, or more loss of religious freedoms and religious exemptions. And it's, uh, we had an opportunity to correct it. Justice Roberts did not. That's also a big thing I wanna put out there. Justice Roberts is not a good guy, he's a bad guy. And there's no question about it now, just based upon other things that he's done. So uh, we, Justice Alito is a good guy and we have a few others. I will also say that Justice Alito pretty much called uh, 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 Amy uh, uh, stupid. I will say that he, he put it in a footnote, but he's pretty much said it. She didn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Amy Coney Barrett. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Wow. With all this stuff that's, you know, behind the scene, like all these, all these intricacies that we as the general public don't understand. I mean, this, I think this was really important to bring to the forefront today. And uh, I'll let you ladies kind of have a final word before we pray over everyone today. Come on in, Jan. What would you like to say in closing today? It's um, a lot. A lot of yes, I'm really starting tr trying very hard to process all of this. And Connie, I really appreciate you uh, bringing this this whole subject to light. And especially with the whole family attorney, the family law background that you're bringing into it. And, you know, we're, we're messing with the future when we're messing with the kids. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Lisa, how about you? Any closing thoughts today? Well, I have more questions than, than I have more questions. <laughs> like I have tons of questions. I want to know how does this affect us religiously? I, I want to know really, what does this do to our religious rights? What does this, you know, talking about the COVID-19, if I don't want to get the shot, like it, it, does somehow this decision today, is that affecting that? Like I have so many questions right now. Yeah. Yeah, we probably need to bring Connie back on, you know, um, here in the next few days and just kind of build this out. We only have a 30 minute show, guys, and it's like we, we want to be able to give you everything. But I think I hope that we, you know, at least started giving you some food for thought. I'm, I'm going to need to process a lot of it, too. But, yeah, I think our religious freedoms are under attack in so many ways in our country right now. And again, sliding things in under the radar or, or even, not even trying to slide it in, but just so many, so many, like the small print, you know, a lot of the small print that a lot of us just aren't privy to um, people like our, my friend Connie, who will come on and kind of tell us how it is, is invaluable. So Connie, thank you so much for being here today. And I'm going to pray over everyone here in just a sec, but any parting words from you? Well, you know, the one thing about this case is it does continue to point back to our legislators and our legislation. So it's so important. And that's one of my big pushes and one of my big efforts is to really start getting the activists 
redirected to working with our state legislators. I know the Tennessee uh, Government Ops uh, Joint Committee had a big hearing on the mature minor doctrine, which also I have a lot to say about, which I can come in on and talk about that as well. So uh, I'd love to do that sometime, but we have got to educate our legislators and we've got to put in front of them what we believe is the best for our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And all, you know, here's something I discovered on the campaign trail, you know, when I ran, a lot of you know that I ran for Tennessee State House of Representatives last year. And what I have learned at the end of the day is that all politics are local. They really are local. It starts right here with our state legislators. Right. And so we've just got to understand, we've got to put in the effort to understand better because they're right here at our fingertips and they want to hear from us. And we've mm-hmm. got to just understand better how and when to approach them. Uh, so, all right, well, let's say a prayer over everybody today and before we go into the weekend and uh, hopefully settle our hearts down a little bit because this was upsetting. <laughs> it's necessary, but it's upsetting. All right, so Father God, I I come to you right now with a, a heavy heart under uh, about our religious freedoms being so under attack right now in our country. Lord, we were founded on your principles. We were founded on Christian values. We've proven that over and over again on this show. And Lord, I just pray that that these attacks would not be fruitful, that, Lord, we would have good people standing at those scrimmage lines, Lord, and and keeping holding the line for, for our conservative values. Lord, I pray that no matter what the enemy is using for our harm, that you would turn it around, Lord, and use it for our good. I pray that none of these attacks would let me just say it this way. I, I pray, Lord, that we would have peace in our hearts and we would not be worried about it. We wouldn't lose sleep over it. We would know that you're on the throne and that, Lord, every dart of the enemy is quenched with our shields of faith. We hold them up, Lord, and we just claim you say what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. So I bind these attacks, Lord. I bind the devil. I bind any any force that's trying to infringe on our principles here in this country. Lord, I pray for restoration. I pray for us to for us to turn back to you as a nation, Lord, and for you to heal our land, that we would be impactful in our communities, in our conversations with our everyday friends and coworkers, and even our children, even in our own households, Lord, that we would hold the line, that we would be brave, and that we would hold the line, Lord. But you are on the throne. This is no surprise to you, and Lord, just help us to remember that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo. All right, ladies. Connie, thanks so much. And uh, we're all going to be okay, y'all. We're going to be okay. <laughs> and you know what? Even at the, at the end of the day, we just have to remember we're just passing through. This yeah. is this this is not the end of the line. We're passing through. But God says we'll have victory in the earth. So we're going to claim that mm-hmm. sitting into the weekend with that thought today. All right, Jade, ladies, Lisa, Jan, Connie, thanks for being with me today. And uh, we'll see you guys back here on Monday at 3 o'clock. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.